Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Save Our Students podcast. So the theme for this episode is going to be systemic racism and the question of whether or not America is systemically racist. We could start with a nice little quote from economist Thomas Sowell, who happens to be black. Quote, the word racism is like ketchup. It can be put on practically anything, and demanding evidence makes you a racist, unquote. Now that's humorous, but there's some real truth to it. Critical race theory acolytes say, with little or no evidence, that America today, in the 21st century, is no better than the Jim Crow South in terms of its treatment of blacks, and that in many cases it's worse. President Joe Biden even went so far as to describe Georgia's new voting laws, which simply require voter ID, as, quote, Jim Crow on steroids, unquote. Let alone the government forcibly segregating bathrooms, water fountains, spraying people with hoses, telling them to get to the back of the bus, being asked to produce an ID is, of course, worse than that, according to Joe Biden. Now, let's be clear at the outset. As humorous as all this is, it's true that blacks in America historically suffered state-sponsored discrimination. Slavery was legal here. It was endorsed by the state governments, enforced through draconian slave codes and fugitive slave acts. Segregation was later enforced by state and local governments and the feds, even after the Confederacy was gone. We can say America in the past did impose real systemic racism on blacks. But, and this is a very important but, we have come a long way since then. And the evidence is everywhere if we only choose to look. Start by looking in professional sports. Hollywood movies, TV shows, STEM, academia. There are prominent black achievers everywhere. Black CEOs, black attorneys, black programmers, black actors. I mean... The critical theorist's own success in selling books and capturing the mainstream culture shows you just how much regular Americans oppose traditional racism. They don't want to be racist. Furthermore, America elected a black president to the White House for not one, but two terms. And in the most recent election, 2020, we elected our first black vice president, like her or not. And Pew Research shows that Congress today is more racially and ethnically diverse than it's ever been. Now, these are just some highlights, but there's a column in the Wall Street Journal by a guy named Jason Riley, which provides some real excellent quantitative data to show that discrimination against blacks in the U.S. is largely dead. Now, the mainstream line is that police brutality against blacks is an epidemic, that it's systemic. Riley notes in his writing that the killing of blacks by police fell by 60 to 80% from the period in the 1960s to the early 2000s, and it's remained low ever since. The Washington Post maintains a database of police shootings, and in 2019, 999 people were shot by police. Of those, 424 whites and 252 blacks Just 12 of the black victims were unarmed, meaning 
the other 240 were armed. Of the white victims, 26 were unarmed. In a country where annual arrests are more than 10 million, if this is all you have, 26 unarmed white victims and 12 unarmed black victims, that's hardly an epidemic. Riley notes also that approval for black-white intermarriages is rising and has been rising for years. In 1958, just 4% of whites approved of interracial marriage. That number climbed to 45% in 1995. It was 84% in 2013. In 2017, just a little over three years ago, fewer than 10% of whites surveyed said that intermarriage is a bad thing. And if you actually look at the percentage of marriages that are interracial, it's gone from 3% in 1967 to 17% in 2015. Now, the black population does rank high in poverty, fatherlessness, and a lot of other negative statistics, but the big problem is the assumption here is that this is all due to discrimination. But that's just simply not the case. The fact that there is a statistical difference between two or more groups doesn't automatically imply that discrimination is the cause for this. The fact is that for blacks, life has been getting better in the latter half of the 20th century and was even improving in the first half of the 20th century, albeit by leaps and bounds. Economists Thomas Sowell, who I quoted earlier, and Walter Williams have some excellent books on the market that argue for ample evidence that decline in the black population of poverty started in the early part of the 20th century, accelerated to the middle part of the century, and it was only after Lyndon Johnson's Great Society welfare legislation did it stagnate and retrogress. Thomas Sowell, for example, points out that in 1940, this is before the Civil Rights Act, 19% of black children were born out of wedlock. In 1975, a full 10 years after the Civil Rights Act, that number was 50%. 2000, it was 68%. Again, rewind the clock, 1940, before the Civil Rights Act. 13% of black families had incomes below the po- uh, above the poverty line. That is, 13% of black families were wealthier than the poverty line. That's a pretty small number. By 1960, this is again five years before the Civil Rights Act, that number went to 53%. So think about that for a second. Five years before the Civil Rights Act, the law forbidding discrimination along the lines of race 53% of black families were above the poverty line. Now, by the end of the 1960s, that number peaked. It stopped at 70%. That's the highest it's ever been. And it's largely stayed there or retrogressed. Let's look at one more statistic. Black children living in the single-parent home. In 1960, five years before Civil Rights Act, that was 20%. So one in five black children lived in a single-parent home, meaning four in five lived in a two-parent home. 30 years after that, again, 15 years or more after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, 
that number had tripled. So Sowell asks, how can it be that racism and discrimination were worse in the 1950s, in the 1940s, and in the early 1960s? And yet, after the Civil Rights Act, as we got better in terms of our treatment of blacks from a discrimination perspective, how come they seem to fare so much more poorly? How come poverty got worse? How come single-parent Households increased amongst blacks. Now, Sowell suggests, and I agree with him, that the cause is intellectual. That is, American blacks have been a special target by an intellectual Marxist establishment that prioritizes collective demographics over individuals. And these intellectuals have used the crimes committed against blacks in America's past to convince blacks today that they're victims, that everyone hates them for their race, that only the government can save them. When you do this, you have a terrified and lifelong voter. Now, a final piece of evidence to kind of solidify this point is that the critical theorists claim is that discrimination is responsible for the plight that black Americans find themselves in today. But they don't mention the experience of Asian Americans. Consider that just as blacks have lower credit scores on average than whites, they make less money on average than whites, and they get denied mortgages more often on average than whites, the same can be said about whites in relation to Asians. That is, they have better credit scores than whites, make more money, and get denied mortgages less often than whites on average. Now, understand, Asians have had their share of discrimination. The United States government forbade immigration from China for several years. And, of course, we had the internment of the Japanese population in World War II in the 20th century. Prejudice against Japanese and, more broadly, Asians was high in the United States. They were discriminated against. But, Japanese male income climbed and climbed higher than white male income. How can that be? Well, the answer is cultural. Japanese and most Asian uh, cultures do favor education, working hard, etc. They preach to their children that no one's going to save you, that you have to save yourself. And what we've done in America is we've convinced the black population of the opposite. That the system is rigged against them, that the government is here to save them, and that they're entitled to things because they've been victimized. Now, a final point on this. And this is a message to all my listeners, black, white, Asian, etc. Nobody is coming to save you. You have to save yourself. That's what life's all about. Don't think of it necessarily as saving yourself. It's carving out a place for yourself in the world. Using your skills, your passions, the connections you do have to build new connections. Make money, raise a family, get some skills, build stuff. Do something with your life. This is something only an individual person can do. And you have to do it if you're going to be successful. 
With the adoption of CRT, critical race theory, in American schools, we could argue, in fact, that America is becoming systemically racist, just not in the way you think. It's becoming systemically racist against whites. Saying that we have to rectify the mistakes of the past and avoid future discrimination in the name of that, we are penalizing whites for being white and teaching them that they have privilege and that nothing they have is theirs or they earned anything. Now, the reverse side of that coin is that blacks are taught that they can't earn anything. The system is rigged against them. Both are false. Both need to be fought. And even though America is not systemically racist now, it is becoming that way. And we need to prevent that. And the antidote to racism is individualism. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.